You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. Some years ago, uh, we were living in Texas at the time, and I was in Seattle on business. I was working for the railroad, and we were catching a commercial flight to come back home. So, as luck would have it, I think it was bad luck maybe, but as luck would have it, we're in one of the planes that has three seats, and I'm in the middle seat, and on one side of me is my boss, and on the other side of me is my big boss. And I understand that by the time you get on a plane in Seattle and you're going back to DFW, by the time you have all the tarmac time, this is three and a half hours wedged between my two bosses. Not an ideal situation. The uh, attendant came by early in the flight, and she asked us if we'd like a drink. And so my boss on one side, he ordered an alcoholic beverage, and my boss on the other side, he ordered an alcoholic beverage, and I, I said that I would take a Coke. That started kind of an interesting conversation with the attendant still standing there. And, you know, what they said was, is one of them said, well, why don't you have a drink with us, Tom? And the other one, about the same time, well, Tom, have a drink with us. And I said, well, I'm having a drink. Seemed pretty obvious to me. But the interesting thing was the statement that came next. After they'd kind of badgered me for a little while to have a drink with them, the big boss said this. He said, I would feel better if you did. I would feel better if you did. And I thought to myself, you know, it's interesting that when we're out in the world, how much the world, and especially in this woke culture we're in, how much time is spent trying to convince us that right isn't really right, and wrong isn't really wrong, that things are all gray and there's a lot of answers somewhere in the middle. Now, young people, listen to this phrase because it's important to you, and it's important to all us older folks too. The phrase is this that is often said is you have to go along to get along. You heard that? You have to go along to get along. And otherwise you need to, in other words, you need to, to kind of compromise principles. Well, see, that was a temptation that I faced that day on the airplane. And that was the fact that, that I had a, a set of personal beliefs, but I had the choice. I got these two guys who basically control my future. And I'm sitting in between them, and they're telling me things like, I would feel better if you did. So going along to get along, we'll see today it's not a new concept. We're going to see it in Scripture today. So in today's Scripture, it's going to to rear its ugly head several different times. A question we should ask ourselves as we kind of walk quickly through this chapter, which is actually 24 contrary to 23 that was mentioned a moment ago. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But here's the question we ought to ask ourselves as we go through this. Do I have a tendency to go along to get along? When I'm out in the world and I'm I'm away from the confines of this quote-unquote sanctuary, do I have a tendency to go along to get along? You know, am I willing to bend what I believe when it might, in fact, be contrary to the will of God? Am I willing to bend what I believe? Because, after all, really, kind of a, 
not maybe everybody in here, but I'm going to say 98% of us, we want people to like us. We're built that way. We want people to like us. We want people to care about us. So it's a good spine check, I think. You know, you don't have to go to a chiropractor. You don't have to go to an MD. But it's a good spine check to find out how your spiritual spine is. Because when you're put in situations where you have to stand up for what you believe, it's a great spiritual spine check. And understand that the Holy Spirit is right there with us. Because when we're going through those situations, you may choose to resist it, but what happens is in our ear, in our heart, in our mind, in our inner self, whatever you want to think, but however the Holy Spirit would come to us, he's going to help us understand in that spine check, are we really compromising, are we really going along to get along? So we're in, we're in chapter 24 today. And I'll tell you the reason we're in chapter 4 instead of chapter 23. You'll hear it. We'll kind of reverse engines next week. But uh, Susan Middleton came down with COVID earlier in the week. Coach called me at 2 o'clock yesterday walking out of a clinic, and he was positive. So be praying for them. They're doing fine. She had kind of a rough start, but they're doing fine. Uh, but her 87-year-old mom is in the home with them and not in good health. And so that's their biggest concern, that that COVID may in fact be something that would complicate her if she were to get it. So keep them in mind this week, if you would. But what has happened kind of just prior to 24 here that happens is Paul was called before the high council, which was made up of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, two different sects of, in the Jewish council. There was a disagreement that he had with the high council, and as a result of that disagreement, I won't get into that, that'll be Eric's thing, but as a result of that disagreement, uh, Paul's life was threatened. Well, the commanders, knowing he was a Roman, they thought, okay, well, we can't have that. So they decided to, they sent a whole bunch of people, horseback and walking people, soldiers, to get him out of town, and they referred him to the governor, Felix, who was in Caesarea, about five days away. So we're going to pick it up in chapter 24 in Acts. I'm going to do a little bit of reading. There's some good meat in here, so even though we're covering quite a bit of Scripture, we're going to do it quickly to kind of stay focused with me, if you will. So here we go, 24, verse 1. Five days later, this is after the walk that, these, that the priest them had. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented the case before Felix, the governor. He said, this is what the lawyer said, the Jewish lawyer. We've enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everyone in every way, most excellent Felix. Now, there's kind of a descriptive word I won't use that talks about what that kind of language is, but let's just say for a minute that it's, it's a kind of a going along to get along. What he was trying to do is he was trying to use his, the woke stuff of that day because what he was trying to do is he was trying to ingratiate himself to somebody that had control over him. Now, he may not have felt that way at all, but he's at least he's kind of laying it out there on the line for him that, oh, you know, we really think a lot of you, Felix. So he goes on and he said, we acknowledge with this proof, you know, it just kind of drips, I think, when you read it. You know, I just, at least I do when I read it. 
we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. You know, we love being under, uh, being subjects to the Romans. We, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude, but in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. And so Tertullus, the lawyer, has kind of laid out his opening statement, if you will. Now listen to the charges that are brought against Paul. We found this man to be a troublemaker, there's one, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect. Probably they would have called it a cult in those days. Nazarene sect. And even tried to desecrate the temple. So we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges that we're bringing against him. The other Jews joined in in the accusation, asserting that these things were, that these things were something. See where I'm at. That these things were true. Now, Paul now has the opportunity to answer the charges. Because, again, he's being brought before the governor. So seemingly, he kind of keeps his cool. You'll see that as he kind of, that he does this. But what he's doing is that, that he's not backing up. Because what we know is, and what he knows is, is he's telling the truth. And so he's not going to back up from it, but what he's going to do is explain to the governor why he believes these charges are being brought. When the governor mentioned or motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you've been a judge over the nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anybody in the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city, which are things they were accusing him of, of course. And they cannot prove to you that the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way. And the way, of course, was kind of the, that was the name Christians were called in those early days. That they were, that as a follower of the way which was called a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written by the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean, and when they found me in the temple, Doing this, there was no crowd with me. So what he's doing, he's going through kind of step by step, but he's making the case that the charges they bring against me, they really don't hold water. He goes on and says, Nor was I involved in any disturbance. That There are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here uh, before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or those who, were, who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. In verse 21, unless it was one thing I shouted out, I stood in their presence. It is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial for today. Maybe that's why I'm here, he says. Maybe it's because I shouted out about the resurrection of the dead. Perhaps that's why I'm here. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the, the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and to permit the friends to take care of his needs. 
Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla. Now, interesting, Drusilla, that's his wife, she's Jewish. It'll tell us that in a minute. But when he and Drusilla, he kind of took a fancy to Drusilla. Well, the problem was he's the daughter of Herod Agrippa, who was also a high-ranking official in Romans, but was also married at the time. Felix was not known to be a man of strong character. And so now Drusilla is with Felix rather than the husband she had. And Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and he listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, pause just for a minute, said he was afraid. So here's Felix. He's living outside the lines. He's not a Christian man. And what he's doing is, is he's being told these things. And I'm sure there's more conversation than Scripture captures, you know, as, as he talked about uh, righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. But here's Felix. He, it says, Scripture says he's afraid. I think that if you study that a little bit, what you see is Felix was convicted. Because what he, what he start to understand is he's starting to say, wait, 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 wait. So... <laughs> This is, these, this is how I live my life. These are my mores. This is what I'm doing. And now you're presenting this whole other thing. You're making me very uncomfortable. Now, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes you're around people. And the very fact of what you believe and how you conduct your life makes, you, makes them very uncomfortable. I would feel better if you would. I would feel better if your behavior was like mine. People, many people like nothing better than to try to drag you backwards because when they drag you backwards into their way of life, maybe it's your old way of life, but they feel better because of that. It's interesting because when we, when we think about people that, that are hard on other people, oftentimes you'll hear it said that, well, what they're doing is that they're trying to think about how they, if they tear you down, they build themselves up. It's part of this same process. So Felix was afraid, and he said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently, and he talked with him. I thought that was interesting that he did. He, he had to be convicted. He sent for him, you know, often, it says, to have these conversations. He saw that they were stimulating. Maybe, maybe Felix was seeing something in Paul that he wished he had in his life. Historians said that in that two years, that part of the reason that he kept Paul incarcerated for two years was he was trying to keep peace. And I can understand that. He was the leader. He was the governor. He had, and the Jews, there was a high Jewish population in Caesarea because it was also what they call the cradle of Christianity. There were a lot of things when you read through Acts that happened in Caesarea. So I think part of what that is, he's thinking, if I can keep this guy kind of out of sight, out of mind, then when I do that, then maybe it'll just be a little more peaceful. I'll keep things kind of tamped down. And sometimes that happens even out on the street, doesn't it? Because if we can not have these conversations, if we don't bring it up, if we don't highlight when we're living outside of the lines and people are doing dumb stuff, maybe it'll, maybe it'll be okay. Maybe I won't be exposed. So Felix was succeeded 
by Porcius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Again, one more time where it became easier to go along to get along. Because the right thing for him to do, he was a Roman, and it's already been said in Scripture, he really didn't find any charges that, that, were, uh, that were reasonable charges against a Roman citizen for him to, to find him guilty, to punish him. But it was easier just to kind of whisk him away and move him out of the way. So the question is, is what are our takeaways today? You know, we've read through a lot of Scripture. We, did, we read the whole chapter of 24 about what happened, the charges being brought, the charges being answered, and then how the governor reacted to that. See, we can learn some things from Paul in this chapter 24. Matthew 5, 37, and we, you won't see it up here, but in essence it's a scripture that says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no not to just go along. We live in a world, it seems, that, that has a lot of gray in it. And it seems like it has an increasing amount of gray in it. We have, you know, in my house growing up, we had two colors in my house, black and white. That's the way it was in my house. That's the way it was with my mom. Right was right, wrong was wrong, and never the twain shall meet. And so... What we live in today, though, is we live in this gray area where, well, you know, it's what makes you feel good. Well, as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. But there's all kinds of things and metaphors you can come up with that help us to try to go, okay, well, when did my yes be yes quit and my no be no quit? And when did it start becoming a lot of maybes? Or, well, that's okay, and I understand how you feel, and I know if you want to change your name, and whatever the other things are, that happened. See, Paul, when he went in to talk to Felix, he was prepared because he knew what he believed. He was confident that not only did he know what he, he believed, but he was also confident the Holy Spirit would be right there with him. You know, other places in Scripture, the, some of the uh, apostles and disciples even said, well, what am I going to say? I don't know what to say when I go in front of these people. And they were told, the Holy Spirit will speak through you. They will guide you. Well, Paul knew that was going to happen. Now, you might ask yourself, well, why is that different than today? I'm, he was a believer. I'm a believer. Why is that different today? But the reality is, if we let the Holy Spirit work through us, it's not different today. The Holy Spirit is alive and well, and he's going to speak through us. And just as Paul was confident going into those meetings because he knew what he believed, and he knew the Spirit would guide him. So then the question is, well, how about you and me? Do we have the spiritual spine? And it takes one. Do we have the spiritual spine today? I don't care if you're in, in a workplace, if you're a, a stay-at-home person, if you're in college, if you're in high school, middle school, it doesn't matter. Do we have the spiritual spine to, have, to let our yes be yes and our no be no? Do we have that? Will we succumb when pressure comes our way? And the question then becomes, in so many words, will you go along to get along? Will you compromise what you believe? Well, here's God's will. This is... 
plain what God said about this, but yet sometimes what we do is we look the other way, we walk the other way, we ignore whatever it is, and we do succumb to the pressure of doing it. But the question is, will we continue to do that? We know the difference. We know, you know, if, you, if you've sat under any teaching, if you've done any reading, if you've been in Sunday school for any length of time, you know the basic road map of what God's will is. See, Paul knew what he believed. Then the question is, are you confident in what you believe? If you had a, to do a, kind of a self-examination and we're talking about our spiritual spine, do we know what we believe? Or are, we, are we willing to stand for what we believe? And you know, Paul didn't go in and throw rocks at people. He just made his case. And they could accept it or reject it. That's how it works. We live in a, we live in a world and, and we're, you know, we have free will as people. We have free will as Christians. God could have made us a different way and he could have made us robotic, but he didn't. He gave us free will to make decisions. So you ask yourself, am I really confident in what I believe? But again, reiterating, the first thing about being confident in knowing what you believe is you need to believe something and you need to know it well. And that's a challenge for us as believers because sometimes what we do as believers is, you know, we listen to a couple songs on a Christian radio. You might come and listen to me or Eric or Justin, somebody preach, and, you know, we hopefully give you some good information, some meat that you can take home with you. But, you know, knowing what you believe really gets back to you doing your own preparation, doing your own study and cracking your Bible, reading that and say, Lord, some of this is kind of over my head, but I ask you, Lord, with the Holy Spirit, help reveal to me what this means to me in my life and how can I apply it in my life? And the second thing is, are you confident that the Holy Spirit will guide you? Are you confident that the Holy Spirit will guide you? And kind of the part B of that question is, if you're confident that he'll guide you, are you willing to allow him to do it? Because a lot of times what happens is, is I, I might say, okay, well, I've got a pretty good understanding of God's word, and I understand that the Spirit can guide me, but yet I still want to make my own choices. It still feels pretty good when I live outside the lines and I make these other choices. I can, I can accommodate how I feel. You know, there's things I do because I deserve whatever it is. You know, my life is tough. People don't understand where I'm at. They don't get it. You know, my deal is different. But the reality, it isn't. It's, we're still cut out of the same cloth, and we're still looking to be the same thing. Do I know what I believe? Do I cling to what I believe? And will I let the Holy Spirit not only know that the Holy Spirit will do it, but will I allow him to be in my life and let me be salt and light to a lost world? Are you willing to do that? Praise team is going to come. But I just want you to think about this morning because the title of what we talked about today was Go Along to Get Along. And as I watch the world, I'm an older guy, you know, obvious. But as I watch the transformation of things that have happened even in my lifetime, I realize how important it is 
and I gave a, a talk the other day, and it was about anchors. And I realized how important it is that you are properly anchored. What are you anchored to? Anchored to Jesus Christ. That's what you're anchored to. If you're a believer, that's your anchor. It's not the world. It's not getting the next promotion. All that, you know, stuff like that, those are important things. You feed your family. But the reality is the most important thing is we understand what we're anchored to, that we know what we believe, and then we start living our life according to those things. Bow your head with me. Father, I just ask you today that in the time that as we leave here today, I just ask you, Lord, that we take a hard look. As we go through our life this week, just, just open our eyes and our mind and say, am I going along to get along? Am I compromising God's his direction for my life? Am I compromising those things? And Lord, if, it is, if I am, help me to have a spiritual backbone. Lord, I want my spine to be straight. I want to I understand. I want, I want Christ to indwell me. Uh, you know, I'm called a, a little Christ, a Christian. Lord, help me to be that. Help me to live up and be a part of the model that you've given us for life. Lord, we love you. We sure aren't error free. But Father, I know that you have a place for us. You give us free will. Lord, I'm asking that we use that free will to make a choice to be followers of yours and to live our life that way and let the Holy Spirit be involved in our choices. We pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.